Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Here's what Luke tells us in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Are y'all ready? If you're ready, say ready. All right, here is what Luke tells us. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Verse 2. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those who are entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and, you say it with me, and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping. Listen to these verbs, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as that fellow, as that one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's lift our hands right now to the Lord. Lord, we we worship you this morning. Thank you for this word. This spirit-inspired word for us today. Lord, we know that the Bible was not written directly to us, but it was written for us. And Lord, there is a word here that you want to share, Lord, through me. And so, Lord, I pray you would help me as I preach your word. And I pray today people would not hear Scott, but they would hear Jesus, that they would hear you, God. And I pray, Lord, as I preach that you would break every yoke, that you would cancel every curse, that you would set the captives free here at the Midtown campus of our Savior's Church. Lord, I'm praying today, Lord, for you, Lord, to heal, for you to set us free, Lord, for you to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Jesus, to know you, to know you better. And so, Lord, I'm praying for my friends here at the 9 a.m. service. I'm praying that you would give us eyes to see hearts to feel, Lord, ears to hear your word and to understand what you would say to us today. And so, Lord, we pray these things. We're expecting you to do great things. So, Lord, come, Holy Spirit. We know you're here, but come. Come on, would you say that? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Say it with me. Say, do what you do, Jesus. You are the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you healed then, we believe you can heal today. And so, Lord, we call upon your great grace. We call upon your great name. And, Lord, we thank you that spiritual renewal is not over. And we pray all these things in your incredible name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Don't sit. Continue to stand. Come on, give him some praise. Come on, give him some more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. Now turn to your neighbor, give him one of these. Maybe a fist bump. If you're comfortable, then go ahead and have a seat. All right, well, I love this story for so many reasons. But if you've been here with me in the last several weekends, uh, you've heard me talk about the the book of Acts and the background of this book, and we've talked about the authorship. And you've, you've heard me say in weeks past, I'm sure, that the book of Acts was written by whom? Luke the 
Luke the physician. So Luke, Luke wrote, we call it the gospel of Luke, but Luke also wrote this historical account called, well, we call it the book of Acts. And Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And as you might imagine, Luke, when he reported details, he did so through his own worldview. So when Luke wrote this account, he didn't write it through the lens of a carpenter or through the lens of another profession. He wrote this account from his own perspective, from being a doctor, from being a physician. So he is going to highlight certain things that a physician would highlight. And Luke sets this story up for us real clearly. He, he talks about Peter and John, these apostles who, who went up to the temple at a specific time of the day. Before he gets into the details of this medical breakthrough, he talks about the place and he talks about the time. And he says that Peter and John went up to the temple it was the ninth hour of the day, which y'all know is that's 3 p.m. It was the time of prayer. It was the time of the evening sacrifice. And so Luke tells us Peter and John made their way up at this specific time. And there were hundreds, if not thousands of other people going up with them. And Luke tells us that there was a man at the temple gate. A very, very special man, a man who was very, very smart and very strategic. This man, we are told, uh, was basically born lame. He couldn't walk. He had never walked. And Acts 4.22 says that this man was over 40 years old. And so this man, we don't know all the stories, but this man probably had a rotation where he had certain people lift him and set him at this particular place. And the Bible says daily, every single day, the lame man was laid at the temple gate. And he was laid there because, well, this man needed some money. This man needed some MCI, some money coming in. And he was laid there strategically, strategically at this gate called beautiful. And this gate was known as the place of God's favor. And so as people were walking up to the temple, it's an hour of prayer. They're, they're going up and one of the most religious, respectable things that people could do was give what? alms to give money to people who were in need. And so we don't know all the details, but here was this man. He was laid at the temple gate, at the gate called beautiful, at the place of God's favor. Here he is in the story. And we're told, Luke tells us that, that Peter and John make their way to the temple and they walk by this man and this man called out and this man asked for money. He asked for alms. But as we're going to see, instead of getting money, he got a miracle. Instead of getting money, he got something way better than that. Listen to what the Bible says, Acts 3, verses 5 and 6. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Look right here. And he fixed his attention on them. Now, hold on. This is very significant. He looked, he looked, Peter looked at this beggar. This beggar looked at him. How many of y'all know there are a lot of people who walk by who probably wouldn't even look at this guy? Who probably saw him like, oh, dear God, there he is. Let's just, honey, let's just keep walking. Here he is again, asking for money. But the Bible says that Peter said, look at me. How many of y'all know that's dignifying this man? This is this man's, this is Peter's desire to bring dignity to him. To say, look, others may ignore you. I know some give, but look, 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 at, look at me. Look at us. We see you in your predicament. We see you in your shame. Here, here, it says Peter directed his gaze at him as did John. And here's what Peter said. I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. 
I don't have money. Now, I, I don't know, I'm being a little silly here, but maybe this lame man heard that Peter and John were some prosperity preachers and that, you know, that they had some money from the ministry, which hadn't been going too long. But, you know, maybe, maybe they've got some money and maybe he was positioned here to meet them. But notice Peter and John, they say, listen, we don't have any money. We've got something way better. We've got the powerful name of Jesus. And when Jesus heals you and sets you free, you can rise up and go get your own money. It's one thing for someone, and we should give money, but how many of y'all know it's a whole different level? When Jesus heals you and sets you free, now you're equipped to go get your own. Here we see Peter and John giving this man the greatest gift that can be given. And listen to how Luke, the physician, describes this. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Luke, the physician, is telling this story to emphasize what in his body in particular had been healed. His feet and his ankles were made strong. Check it out. I love the verbs in this passage. And this man went from sitting to standing to to walking, but it didn't stop there, did it? Because as he walked, he began to, my vertical's not what it used to be. Let me do that again. He went to what? Leaping. Not too bad, Dr. I. He went to leaping, and as he leapt, he what? He praised. Y'all getting this? Look at this. He went from sitting because of the grace of God to standing to walking and then to leaping and praising his God for what God had done in his life. He couldn't practice. He had never done this before. This was the natural response to a supernatural miracle. Thus fulfilling Isaiah 35 verse 6 that says when Messiah comes that the lame will leap like a deer and that the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Here he is leaping through this place like a deer. Now I'm from Tennessee where there are deer everywhere. Drive down the interstate, deer crossing the interstate. Drive down any street, there are just deer everywhere. And I remember one time I was driving down the, down, down this, down, down the street and all of a sudden... This deer leaps over my hood, kind of does a, like, like on the side, like a, get his rear end right across my hood, goes across and then leaps over a seven foot high fence. Have y'all ever seen a deer leap? Y'all ever seen a deer jump? I want you to picture this man here at the temple who had been sitting is now going vertical for Jesus. Leaping for joy. Are <laughs> y'all getting the picture? What a story. No one does that at the temple. We can say it this way. No one should act that way in church. But when you understand that Jesus took you from sitting to standing to walking, you will start leaping for joy because you know what God has delivered you from. Come on, y'all. And I love, I love what T.D. Jake says. He says, don't ever judge somebody's praise. Why? Because you don't know what they've been through. You don't know the hell they've walked through. Don't ever look at somebody and say, well, I don't know about that. Of course you don't know about that because you haven't walked through what they've been through. Don't ever judge their praise. Don't ever look at somebody and say, well, I, I don't, I, listen to me. When Jesus gets a hold of you and he breaks that addiction and he sets you free and forgives your sin and heals your body, you'll start leaping, you'll start praising, you'll start jumping, and you'll say, oh, I've just begun to start praising. Stick around because I'll become even more undignified than this. Leaping, praising. And, and the people were amazed and astonished. They were shocked. 
yeah, they never seen anything like that. And I'm sure there were some people in the crowd, suspicious. What's it, who's this guy think he is? Who does he, who does he think he is doing all this leaping and jumping? This is a religious place. That's right. It's a religious place. It's the place. If you can't praise God here, just, I don't know about all that. Some people say, Pastor Scott, I get it, but you know, I'm more of a reserved person. I'm more reserved. Right. Unless you're at the LSU game. Uh-huh, I saw you. I got you on my iPhone. I'm a little more reserved. Right. Until that check comes in the mail. I saw you leaping through the neighborhood. I'm a little more reserved. You know, I don't, I'm not that animated. I don't like to express myself in that way. Right. Right. Except when you used to go to the casino and started doing real well. At the table, yeah. How many of y'all know winning the lottery will turn you into a charismatic? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more reserved. <laughs> right. Let me tell you something. If you are in Christ, in relationship with him, you've hit the jackpot. And though you're maybe financially broke, you're spiritually rich. Come on, y'all, we got a mansion. We got, we got riches waiting for us. And those riches are in Jesus Christ. They'll never diminish or run out. Come on, y'all, we are the richest people on the planet. So let's start living like it. Let's start leaping. Let's start praising. Not just here as a show, but out there, everywhere we go. Come on, y'all, we are blood bought, sons of the living God. We got every reason to leap and praise and thank God because he took us from sitting to standing. Come on now, we're walking, we're leaping, we're praising God because we know that he is on our side. Come on, Midtown, give him praise today. Leap for joy, leap for joy. Thank you, God. Because listen, when you understand, that you understand that you were sitting in shame Jesus found you. You were sitting in your shame. But now, 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 you're standing in his grace. Come on, and you're not perfect, but you're walking in his will. I'm walking in his will. I'm not who I, who I, who I ultimately want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. God's moving in me, and so I have every reason to give him praise. Every reason to thank him. But here's what I want you to see. This man wanted money, but he got a miracle instead. <laughs> Watch this. The man who laid at the gate of the temple experiences healing, and now he could get up and fulfill Psalm 100 verse 4. This says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. All those years he sat and watched others enter with thanksgiving. He watched others give God thanks and praise as they walk. Now he is able to get up and go to the temple himself and do what he'd seen others do. So he went from being a spectator to a participant by the power of God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, this is what I want you to see. This healing miracle. Got out of breath all that leaping. <laughs> um, the, the healing miracle was another huge attention grabber. Y'all remember weeks ago? When I preached about Pentecost, do you remember what I said about that? The speaking in, t in tongues was like the greatest introduction to a sermon. In a sense, it was the greatest attention grabber. People started speaking in tongues, and then those in the crowd were like, 
They were bewildered and said, what does all this mean? And then Peter stepped up and what did he do? Let me tell you what this means. Then he preached the Bible. He preached the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. And then he got into this incredible message that was so Jesus-centered, soaking wet with Jesus. And, of course, all of these people get saved. Well, that was Acts 2. Here in Acts 3, we have another attention grabber in the form of the healing of this man. But watch this. This story is so powerful and I think for most of us, we get the point, but the crowd, they miss the point. You say, Pastor Scott, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, let's keep reading. In Acts 3, 11 and 12, check this out. This is crazy. It says, while he, that is the healed man, clung to Peter and John. Now picture this. <laughs> He'd been leaping and praising God. This man held on to Peter and John as they kind of made their way through. You with me? Picturing it? Y'all with me? Clung to Peter and John. And look at what it says here. All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. This area, this colonnaded area on the east side of the temple. Verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Hold on. When he saw what? What's the it? The it was the fact that this man had been healed. This man was clinging to Peter and John. But the it here refers to the crowd's response to it all. When Peter saw the crowd looking at he and John, here's what Peter said. And this is so powerful for us because there is a lesson here that we all need to get. He said this to the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? In other words, instead of giving glory to God, the people were staring at Peter and John. And the Bible says they immediately pulled out their iPhones and began to follow Peter and John on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> and subscribe to their YouTube channel. Ooh, these are the men of God. I got to tune in. We've got to tune in and see what the secret is to all this. How many of y'all know we have the ability from Adam, thank you Adam, to take a gift in the form of a person and turn that gift into a God. Preachers, speakers, communicators go on down the line. Now Peter and John were apostles, they were chosen, they were special in that sense. You mean God chose them and not others? That's what God can, how many of y'all know, God has this problem. He thinks he's God. God's got this problem. How many of y'all know God can do whatever he wants? It doesn't violate his nature and character, of course. He chose, he chose who, whom he chose. But Peter's like, what's wrong with y'all? Why are you staring at us? Like there's something great about us. Now listen, let me tread lightly here. There's a tendency today, I mean, if this happened... In somebody's life, and, you know, the tendency would be, you know, to immediately, you know, start a podcast, which there's nothing wrong with a podcast, a YouTube channel. I'm gonna get my own TV show. You know, the hour of power with the Apostle Peter, <laughs> from lame to fame by the Apostle John, from broke to blessed by Peter. Tune in. We'll give you tips and we'll send you a book, of course, for 1995 that tells you how to have an apostolic ministry like ours. How many of y'all know man is not the point of the Bible? Listen to me. <laughs> You're not David. I'm not David. We, we are Saul and we are the scared Israelites. I'll tell you who David is. 
The David of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Jesus is our hero. He is the point. He is our savior. He is our Lord. The champion of every life and every ministry and every message must be Jesus or it's no ministry at all. And Jesus is rebuking the American church through the apostle Peter saying, why are you staring at me? As if there's something special about me. No, we are dust We are made men from the ground, ladies from the side. We are like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. But God is the eternal God. His word is fixed in the heavens. We'll be long gone, but his word will remain. Are y'all with me? Why are you staring at us? We're just fishermen. In the words of John, we're not the light. Come on, you're not the light. I'm not the light. I'm here to bear witness to the light. And his name is Jesus. We are to reflect and then if we need, redirect people's attention from us to Jesus, to the one who can truly set people free. Are y'all with me? Yes, they were chosen. Special in a sense. But Peter said, what's up with all this? This didn't happen because we're good. This happened because God is good. I'm afraid that we idolize people in the church today. I'm afraid that we turn people into idols. There have been so many great leaders in the body of Christ who have risen and then fallen. And I'm not trying to be negative. It's just the truth. You're going to see it. You're going to hear about it. And, and I'm talking about like incredible names. Incredible names. People that if, if I were to say, who do, you think, who do you think is really living holy and living for God? I can mention some names that you, you would think that that person's at the top of the list serving God. But today, because of sin and darkness in their heart, They've abandoned the gospel and have fallen into gross sin. And you say, Pastor Scott, what does that do to your faith? What does it do when a man of God or a woman of God falls from grace? What does it do to you when you hear these stories? And my response always is it breaks my heart. Because in the words of Pastor Jacob Aranza, we're all a step away from stupid. And I'm, I'm very aware of my own proclivities and temptations. You say, what are they? You'll never know. <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all have some temptations? Amen. We're all a step away from doing something really stupid. Amen. And so, on, on one hand, I have great compassion because it can happen to any of us. Any of us can fall. Any of us can embarrass Jesus. But on the other hand, I grieve, but then I come back and I go back to the Word of God. And ultimately, I'm not shaken and I'm not moved because my hope was never in that person to begin with. So if your hope is in man, you'll rise with him. But if your hope is in man, you'll also fall with him. Our hope is in Jesus and in Jesus Christ alone. There is one name, and his name is Jesus. I see Jesus today resetting his church, saying, take your eyes off men. Take your eyes off gifted women. Place your eyes on me. And as long as you look to him, come on, y'all, he's the author And he's the perfecter of your faith. As you're looking at him, though there's a storm around you, you keep your eyes on him. You will walk on the water. You will walk through culture. You will walk through the rise and the fall of nations and people and make it to the other side, leaping and praising God because you know he's the one who got you to the other side. Come on, give me an amen. You know it's true. Jesus is the superstar. Jesus is the hero. Jesus, there's one So Peter, what's wrong with y'all? 
Stop staring at us. I'm going to unfriend you. You friend me. I'm, not, not you, Peter. I'm going to, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. But here, here let, me, let me speed up. Jesus then, we're, we're told, came and Peter, Peter t- takes it a step further and talks about what Jesus did for, for his audience. He says this in Acts 3, 13 through 15. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom, and I could just see Peter with that long finger pointing, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Verse 14, but you denied the holy and righteous one. And as for a murderer to be granted to you, verse 15, he's just heaping the indictments here. He says, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. What is he saying? Jesus came to deliver us, you. But pointing at the audience, you delivered the deliverer over to death. He's the author of life, but you're responsible for his death. You killed him. Peter keeps saying this, but God raised him. You killed him, but God raised him. And nevertheless, although Christ is risen and seated in heaven, he is still working here on the earth And we know this because of the healing of this lame man. Oh, because if you're here week one, Luke tells us that in his first account, Luke tells us about what Jesus began to do and teach. But in the book of Acts, Luke tells us what Jesus continued to do and teach. And how did he he continue to teach? How did Jesus continue to do incredible things? It was through the lives of the apostles and the early believers who utilized the name of Jesus. And when they spoke in that name and used that name, it was just like Jesus was present right there in their ministry. And how many y'all know today, even though Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, he is present with us by his name. And Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Come on, y'all. We still have Jesus with us. He's still the superstar. He's still working miracles. He's the one that meets you at the altar. He's the one that meets you in your closet. He's the one walking you through the valley of the shadow of death. He's still present with us. That's what Peter's trying to get across. And he says here, you, you, you killed him, but God raised him. And the response here is, well, here it is again. Peter loves telling people to repent. That's like Peter's, that's his one message. Jesus, repent. Like, you have some, something deep for me? No, not until you get Jesus and you learn to repent. How many of y'all know Jesus won't give you more until you've been faithful with the little? Jesus, repent. Peter, Peter, Peter says this, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That times, oh, I feel this here at Midtown, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You feel that? I feel, I feel, I know it's not about a feeling. I feel times of refreshing here at Midtown. I feel it because I'm seeing God work in your lives. Because I'm seeing you come here hungry, not for me, but for God's word. That's refreshing. It's refreshing when I see you meeting in groups, praying for one another. It's a breath of fresh air when I see the body of Christ activated. Or there is no superstar. We're all superstars chosen by God, gifted by God, and called to advance his cause in the earth. It's refreshing. It's refreshing to me. Thank you all for being that kind of people. But here, let me begin to wrap this up by asking a question. What an incredible miracle. What an incredible miracle. Can you guys just just imagine this with me? That If someone were to come in and bring a lame man or woman and lay that person here at our feet, imagine if we prayed and if that person 
jumped up off the ground, started standing, walking, leaping, and praising God. Imagine that with me. Imagine if that was, <laughs> you go home after a Sunday service, someone asks, how, how was it at Midtown? I mean, every iPhone would be out. What would y'all be doing? Recording the whole thing? You would say, I can't even explain it. I'm just going to have to let you see it. Imagine that type of miracle. Do y'all know that happened in the book of Acts? It happened. Other miracles, like it happened. And so today we're praying, God, restore the church to the way it was. Restore. How many of y'all would go buck wild, leap over. I mean, your vertical would increase. I mean, you would be jumping up and down if you saw that happen in this place. So the question is, Pastor Scott, yeah, it'd be amazing, but those things happen then, but why don't miracles happen like that today? Well, I would argue that miracles like that do happen today, Possibly in America. I don't know of any like that. It's possible. But I definitely know miracles like that are happening in other countries. On other continents. But why don't they, like, why doesn't that happen at Midtown? That's the question. Well, first of all, I just, can I sit for a second? I'm used to running everywhere. Can I sit? So what you need to know is that, first of all, um, let me say this and we're going to begin to wrap it up. First of all, the apostles were those who were commissioned by God in the early church to preach his word. And the signs of an apostle were these. Signs, wonders, miracles. So when an apostle preached or shared the word, he would perform a miracle. And then that miracle would demonstrate that that man was sent from God. It was a sign and it was a wonder. It was confirmation that that person was from God. Are you all with me? And so here's the way it goes. People will say, well, that was the apostles. The apostles had this ability to heal and perform signs, wonders, and miracles. And since there are no apostles today, well, that's the reason why we don't see miracles happen today like they saw then. Are y'all with me? And so that, that's basically the argument. There are no apostles today. The first apostles were those who performed signs, wonders, and miracles to confirm the word, the message, and the ministry of, of, of Christ. And, and therefore, since we don't have them today, that's why we don't have miracles. Okay, let me help everybody who thinks that. But if you look in the Bible, you'll see that Philip the Evangelist, a non-apostle, did signs and wonders. You'll see that Stephen, a non-apostle, performed signs, wonders, and miracles. What you will do, if you read through the Bible, you'll find in 1 Corinthians 12 that apparently there were gifts of healing and wonders and miracles happening in, in the, the church at Corinth. Apparently they were happening there by non-apostles. If you read Galatians chapter 3, apparently the one who, who did incredible things to the church there in the form of people getting saved, that same God was working in them to perform miracles. Are y'all with me? So the logic is this, if, if God used non-apostles to perform signs, wonders, and miracles then, why can't he use non-apostles today to perform signs, wonders, and miracles? If, if faith moved mountains then, why can't faith move mountains today? How many of y'all know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? So, let me just ask a question. I'm not going to yell at you anymore. If faith, I said this, if faith moved mountains, then why can't faith move mountains today? Could it be that the infrequency of miracles today is, at times, Due to our uncertainty and unbelief. Just asking a question. Just asking a question. Now, don't leave here and say, Pastor Scott told me I prayed for a miracle and I haven't gotten one. It's because I'm 
you know, I'm faithless. I just don't have enough faith. Don't do that. I don't know your story. I don't know all of you personally. I do know this, though. Some of you have prayed for miracles for years. You have stood on the word. You have prayed with as much faith as any man or woman's ever prayed with. And you haven't seen the miracle. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you're here. It's not a faith problem for some of you. And I'm going to address that more in just a second. But I'm aware, I'm aware of the fact some of y'all have prayed like crazy with great faith and you're still waiting on the miracle. You haven't seen the miracle, but, 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 but could it be, could it be, could it be that we trust in man more than we trust in God? Just a question. Could it be that technology has influenced our theology? Could it be that we've got this dichotomy of God, you're up there and you take care of the spiritual stuff, but we have science down here and God will figure it out. Could it be that we've made a, a, a God, we've made science into a God that we trust in more than God himself? Could it be that we're suspicious? Could it be that we're skepti skeptical because we see so much nonsense around us? Phoniness. Just a question. Listen to me. Thank God for doctors. If you're a doctor here, I thank God for you. A medical doctor, come on. Let's get, you should give it up for, yeah. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for ibuprofen. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise for a good old, sometimes an ibuprofen will make you feel way more spiritual. You got a headache? We thank God for advancements. We thank God for technology. But listen to me, there's going to come a time in your life when technology and science runs out. And when technology runs out, that's when your theology will kick in. And if you have a theology that doesn't expect anything from God, you probably won't get anything from God. I'm talking about cultivating total dependence on God. You take medicine, but you trust God. You take your medicine if it's prescribed by the doctor, but you better trust in God. But you got to ask yourself the question, just you. Could it be? Because I'm just skeptical. And could it be in this area of my life? I just don't have the faith. Could it be in our Western culture that we've just become too sophisticated? to believe God for the supernatural. You'd never say it out of your mouth. If you're taking notes, write this down. It is our job to pray and to pray in faith. It is God's job to answer when and how he sees fit. So we don't just walk around commanding God, push, push, here's a miracle, push, there's a miracle. You pray, you make known your desire for that person to be set free. You look people in the eye, you reach out your right hand and you help them. And James 5 says we are to pray for the sick. You pray with all you've got. You pray with all the faith you can muster, but then you place it in God's hands and you trust that the one with his hands created heaven and earth will be the one who by his healing hands brings healing and deliverance to the people in front of you, to your situation, to your family, to your community, that the same God who moved then will move today. You pray that way. And then you rest in this, that God knows what you need before you ask. You'll never take him new information. Like you pray, you're like, God's like, I didn't think about that. He's always thought about that. He's always been thinking about that. He had you on, on his mind before you were created. He, he knows and he loves you so deeply. Don't take the absence of a miracle as the absence of God's love. Did you hear that? 
There's nothing that would please God more than for us to lean completely and totally on Him. Say, what's, what, what does Peter's preaching do to you? It makes me lean completely and totally on Jesus. So, in conclusion, it is a sign and a wonder when somebody experiences a miracle. It's a sign and a wonder when someone gets healed of a terminal disease. Isn't it? They told my mom, you're never going to leave the hospital. Back in 2004. And actually, to be more precise, they told us that. She was in a a coma. Before she went in, they told her it was hopeless. But they told us, "Your, your mom... Because of her situation, because of her cancer, because of the condition in her lungs, she will never leave this hospital. My mom left that hospital. She rolled out of there, but eventually, in a wheelchair, but eventually she started walking. And my little old five foot four mama went from lying to standing to walking, to leaping and praising God. And the idea was, and the, you know, the doctor said, well, there's nothing in our book that explains this. That's right. Because you up in the wrong book. That's my story. That's my experience. That's what I saw God do in my mom's life. And my eyes can't unsee the glory that I've seen in my mom being raised. And so when you see a miracle, it's a sign and a wonder that God's presence is with us. But lastly, do what you want with this one. This is my opinion. The rest is Bible. I'm always going to tell you when it's my opinion and when it's straight from Scripture. But perhaps, stick with me, stick, stick, stick with me. Perhaps an even greater sign and wonder takes place when someone prays for a miracle but doesn't get the miracle but praises God anyway. <laughs> I'm talking to most of you now. I'm talking about those of you who, who you didn't break down when you failed to break through. I'm talking about those of you who went to spiritual renewal and you saw other people get theirs, but you didn't get yours. I'm talking about those of you who, who have prayed for miracles. You prayed against cancer. You prayed against depression, but the, the cloud hasn't lifted. I'm talking about those of you here who you've prayed, you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've seen other people get breakthrough, but you're still in your mess. I'm talking about those of you who are experiencing disappointment. You feel like you missed an appointment with God. You have disappointment in your heart. I'm talking about those of you who are here and you're right in the middle of the mess. You're still in the middle of your pain. Your body's still broken. The prayer hasn't been answered. But, but, but there's something in you. If I know you like I think I know you, you're here today because you love the giver more than you love the gift. And you've decided in, for richer or for poor in sickness and in health that Jesus is your great reward, that he's worth it, that he's going to be with you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you've decided that he's enough. And you've made up your mind that you're going to leap and you're going to praise even if God doesn't answer your prayer. Because he's good. He's always good. And I know I've preached this before, but listen to me. Let me tell you again because you need to hear it. 
the devil, he may take your house, he may take your home, he may take your wealth, but there's one thing the devil cannot take that is unless you allow him to. He cannot have your praise. He can take anything from you. He can take material things from you. He can take your wealth. He can take all the things in your life if God gives him permission, but he cannot have your praise. Because you know that God is good. Come on, he gives and he takes away. We are those who will live to say, blessed be your name. In every season, in every circumstance. Listen to me. People of God, listen to me. You will get your breakthrough. You say, you sure, Pastor Scott? I am certain. You say, are you sure? I'm positive. You will get your breakthrough. Your body will be healed and set free. If it's not in this life, I promise you it will be in the next life. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You will break through. You will be whole. You will be full of joy. If it's not now, come on, y'all. The best is yet to come. And so, between now and then, we pray. Our Father in heaven, how to be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here in the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray today that your kingdom power would come. We pray for the foretaste of your healing power to come today. Come on, let's stand to our feet. If you need a miracle today, we're gonna pray. He's the way maker. He's the, he is the miracle worker. God, you did it then. You did it then. Would you do it again today? Would you split the Red Sea? Come on, would you make a way where there seems to be no way? Lord, we know our miracle's coming. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's sing. He's a way maker. Come on, Joseph.